Hello friends and welcome to the midweek edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. I'm calling this one a tale of two towns because on the pitch they're dreadful, failing, inept, impotent, whatever you want to say. But off the pitch things are very, very exciting indeed and there's there's much to be positive about. So we're going to do a from shit to shine show today. We'll start with the shit and we'll move on to the shine, the positive stuff, the shiny stuff to get excited about. I am Mark Heath, I'm your host and with me Two guys who were at Plough Lane last night, joined by a travelling bunch of town fans from my nearby roof as well. I'm going to start with you, Stewie, because you just told me that you've been up past 1am for the last three nights in a row or something. A glamorous life that you leave following Ipswich Town. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yeah, um, you're right. All the excitement and drama this season has been been off the field, hasn't it? It will be a season that will be forever remembered for... Well, hopefully the right reasons in, in the long term, it will be remembered as the season that the, the, the glorious takeover happened that turned everything around. Um, but yeah, on on the pitch, continues not continues not to happen. It's a bizarre dichotomy, isn't it, between what's happening on the pitch and the utter failure of the, the players on the pitch and the massive and rightful excitement about what's going on behind the scenes off the pitch, which we'll come on to in due course. Your partner in crime, of course, you were at Plough Lane with him last night. Excellent, I thought, video verdict boys, contending with a mower the whole time, ploughing on at Plough Lane, trademark Stuart Watson. Hutchie, Andy Warren, how are you, my friend? The mowers will not beat us. That was probably our biggest mower challenge yet, wasn't it, Stu? We've, we've faced these mowers before. We never backed down. Um, the, uh, the One of the, the media guys at, at Wimbledon was explaining to us on the way out that they uh, they weren't expecting quite the reverberating mower noise in the middle of the night because of all the flats around the uh around there so think of the people that were living in there trying to sleep and they've got going round and round but we beat them we will not be beaten by a mower even if Ipswich Town will be beaten by the the mower boys the mower boys yeah I, I like the tactic of just talking slightly louder throughout the video as it as it got louder competing with the mower and as I say plowing on at plow lane Stewie fantastic work well then, boys, we better start with the shit, which is the team, the players on the pitch, where it really matters, unfortunately. Um, Paul Cook said it was going to be a season-defining game at AFC Wimbledon, struggling AFC Wimbledon, I should add, last night. And so it turned out the season defined by a 3-0 defeat, 10-man town, never really in it, dreadful. Who wants to start? Can I start, please? Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, it was dreadful. Um just, I just feel really let down by it, by it all, and I'm sure so many other people do too. Uh, you really want to be excited about everything that's happening around the football club at the moment because because it's a it is a, a new era. I know we've used that word before, but it's one that that feels like it could be full of excitement. But you just keep getting dragged back down by by what should be the best bit. Um, mm the actual football and it, and it's just not it's just not there it's not happening and i think as we said in the uh, in the video that you talked about a second ago it, it's it's time for this season to kind of drift to its conclusion now um it, it's very sad but it just needs to stop hold hold the phone so um oh is that the official Andy Hutch Warren sounding of the playoffs are gone klaxon because a couple of weeks ago you guaranteed town would be there well, come on. There's, there, was, there was no, there was no guarantee. I don't know how many games ago that was. That was that's six go, six games. Yeah. Let's say that's why I feel let down because it was there for them. It was right there for them. Um, mm. 
but it's just been life. It's been lifeless since limp. They can't score goals, and last night their their big strength, which was keeping them out, that deserted them as well. So there's, I f- I feel let down from uh from from the position I was in, which I was probably more hopeful than than most. Um, those six weeks ago, I was expecting a lot more. Um, but it's just not, it's just not been there, and um, you've let me down. There we go. Stu, your challenge for the next few minutes as you sign up this game is not to use the same terms as we've already used before. Um, I liked your sign-off on the video as well last night. We'll be at, we'll be at Charlton. If you can bear it, follow it with us, um, which is a kind of a little peek behind the curtain, I'm sure, into your into your mindset going into these games. Um, what What's going wrong on, on the pitch? Because Cook's record is dreadful. Clearly, he's come into a bad situation. He's inherited a team that he's had nothing to do with putting together. But it's arguably got worse, hasn't it, since since Lambert departed in terms of performances and results? Two wins in ten? Arguably. It's certainly got no better. Um, I think there's a little bit of revision revision in terms of that little spell where they picked up some wins uh, at the end of the Lambert reign and Matt Gill taking caretaker charge, even in those three games. <clears throat> They weren't playing great. The Accrington game, let's not forget, they kind of clung on against 10 men in that match. I think if the red card hadn't have happened, that would have gone the same way mm. as so many of the other away games. Doncaster was far from convincing the home win. The only one that was anything resembling a decent 90-minute performance was the 1-0 at, at Hull, um, <clears throat> to be honest. And that's the that's the outlier in terms of the longer timeline for Ipswich Town. So um, I don't really know what else to say about it all, to be quite honest. Um, For me, this is is between the ears more than it is footballing ability. We've talked before about is this team as good as so many of us made it out to be on paper, etc etc probably not but i don't think it's now as bad quality wise as people are jumping to at the other end of the spectrum it's so much of this is psychological and so much of this been a drip 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 effect over a period of time um Mm. from the relegation season to last year to everything that has happened on and off the pitch i think these players are browbeaten downtrodden They've been affected mentally by outside noise. Outside noise that I have to say that that we and the fans, I don't think, have taken any any pleasure in at all. Whenever there's been a chance to build some goodwill behind them, people have jumped all over it, you know, applauded to relegation. Massive goodwill going into that first League One season. Um excitement after that first good start, a complete reset going into the start of last season, Um, a complete reset of goodwill after the the COVID call-off and the the season ending the way it did. Um, Mm. And yet, as Andy says, they just keep letting us down. And um, people are fed up of being let down now. It's like being in a relationship where you're continually hurt and keep coming back for more. And there comes a point where you start to question your life choices. And, and the only good thing is, <clears throat> the only good thing is, is that there, at least there feels like there's change on the horizon. Could, could you imagine the conversation we'd be having and the mood now if 
that takeover hadn't happened last week. That's mm. the only solace that we can take from this. Yeah, talking about life choices, you get the impression that Mr. Cook's maybe questioning a few of his. He, obviously, again, after the game last night, he's getting more and more exasperated, isn't he? feel sorry for the guy. I want to give him a hug. Obviously, he can't, COVID-wise. But what do you, what's your take on that, Stewie? Uh, exasperated is certainly the word. Um, it was more entertaining watching him on the touchline last night. He, was, he flip-flopped between... Um, sitting back in his chair, hand, head literally in hands, um, to then thinking, right, I've got to get up and try and get this going again. And he'd prowl the edge of his technical area and he'd, he'd shout some instructions and then something would go wrong and he'd just turn and mm. look deflated and sit back in his chair again. And there was a few choice, choice words uh, that he was using every time a misplaced pass happened. And... Um, looking to the heavens for divine intervention. So he is he is frustrated as hell, exasperated as hell. And the question will be, 10 games in, did we expect more from, from Paul Cook? 10 points from 10 games. As you say, there's been no impact. It is a, it's a fair question to ask at this moment in time. And I, I'm in the camp that Paul Cook will be judged after the summer and after the rebuild. But I, I don't think he's, he's untouchable in terms of questioning these 10 games so far has it been a sort of a desperate search for a winning formula the chopping and changing which we we hammered Paul Lambert for has been happening every mm. game every formation going every attacking combination going I'm not sure that's helped the players necessarily but I can also see it from his point of view that he's just trying to find something that will mm. work so um for me this is he's, he's inherited a, a complete mismatch of players from various different eras the, judge, the judgment can wait on him. I, I actually take quite quite a great deal of comfort from from his honest assessments post match and the fact that finally we've got a manager who sees sees things through ours and the fans' eyes at last. Mm. He talks like a fan as well, doesn't he? Which is which is heartening. The way he, I think he said last night, the fans are, are bored of us. Um, he can see what's going on. Um, I mean, he's got to be given time, hasn't he? He needs he needs a, you know a summer. He needs two or three transfer windows to try and turn this round. What's your take on the? The Cook situation, Hutchie. I'm I'm not going to sit here and suggest in any way that he's not still the man with the best CV to do this job when it became mm. available, and and I'm not going to in any way suggest that there's any real pressure on him. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't disappointed with how the first ten games have gone for him. I expected an awful lot more. Um, mm. it, I'd agree with Stu that yeah, those those games under Matt Gill and, and Jimmy Walker were there's maybe a bit of revisionism there in terms of just how good they were. But he did inherit a side. I think were they one point off the playoffs by the time that Accrington game had, had been played, yep. something like that. No, I, I'd be lying if I, I said I wasn't expecting more. I, I, I expected them to be much more in this fight, um, and I think some of that has to be on on Cook uh, in terms of in terms of chopping and changing and desperate searching and, and things like that. But so much of it has to be on the players as well. Uh, they've, they've let him down. Um, mm. And I'd agree with Stu in that. I think the majority of it is, is upstairs rather than, rather than in their feet. Um, mm. I don't, I don't think, I think that, the, I think the players are, are much better football players than they are showing at the moment, but they just haven't got it in them to, to show that right now. And for that reason, we we just need to get to the summer. Um, Cook says he needs a pre-season and one transfer window. 
um, for it to be fair to start judging him. I think that was what he said at the very beginning. And, and I think that's absolutely fair. I, I'm really excited to see what hopefully he's he's here to do in the summer, what squad he puts together and, and what he can, can put mm. on the pitch because um, because it, it's just... It'd be un- it would be unfair to kind of heavily judge him on on what what we've seen in the last what was it six weeks seven weeks he's been here. But I, I would be lying if I if I told you I wasn't expecting a little bit more from him and the team in that time. So we talk about the players in Hutchie? Last night I saw probably the worst set of ratings I've seen from you all season. Pretty much all threes. I think there was there was a couple of fours on one six. Flynn Downs clearly man of the match. You spoke to Flynn after the the game, and one of the things that's been a frustration over the period of us covering town I'm sure for fans is that everyone talks a good game they all say the right things but you get the feeling with reading what Flynn said to you last night um he was properly crushed uh, he said not good enough like 15 times it, it's really trite to say that the players feel it like the fans do but you get the sense with Flynn that he, he really is I had to take I I did actually take a few it's not good enoughs out of mm. the uh, out of the written copy because it was there were a lot of them, and it, you could see in his face that it hurt him. Um, Ipswich, have, there's been a bit of a habit of Ipswich of, of actually not having a player speaking after results such as last night. So, so fair play to Flynn mm. for doing that, and um, I think it does hurt him. I think, but I also think that Paul Cook's right in that what he says that he said he, he's not convinced the players feel feel the pressure. And I think there's a suggestion that he's not convinced that enough of them feel the feel the hurt hmm. of of these losses and and the performances and the hurt that they're kind of putting on the supporters through these through these losses and, that, and that's another sign to me of some some players that have um are just not in the the right frame of mind to to be doing the job the job in hand right now. There's so many circumstances that are swirling around that have combined. Mm. With that, it's the the weight of the season's past. Manager changes, new managers coming in, different roles, takeover, a bit of confusion there, contract situations, everything. It's all combined, and they've just not they've just not handled it well enough. Yeah, and and also to be fair, living in a COVID world, which has affected each and every one of us, we've all felt utterly fed up and miserable in this world that we lived in. And footballs are not impervious to that as well. You could argue that. They're among the privileged few that have still been able to to go to work and and physically do their job. Okay, it's not the same as usual. They turn up. They've been for long periods changing in their cars or you know just driving straight home and all of that. But they get to go run around, be physical, see twenty odd like minded people for a couple of hours a day and and stuff like that. But they've got families at home. They've got worries at home as well. But it's the same for everybody, isn't it, in the footballing world and. Um, um, I, I'm not in the. I'm not going to sit here and make loads of excuses for them because it's the yeah, it's the continual letdown, isn't it? And it's felt mm. like that for, for some time now that we kind of so many of these sort of false torns and disappointments and on the, at the big moments where they need to deliver, whether it's games on TV. I mean, this this goes back even before for fans and for us. This goes back beyond this group of players as well, doesn't it? You know, it's it's. No cup runs, no derby wins, mm. um, never winning on television. There's so many layers to this that have built up over time and over time. And not all of this has been on the the, the manager or the current set of players, but it's all of that frustration over a period of time has just seeped into deep into the pores of everybody. And it's, 
everyone's sat at home as well. Intent- all of this frustration has been intensified by working from home. And I'm sure that that has projected onto the players. And it's beyond the point of return now, of recovery of this kind of this group. And I'm sure some of these players will go away and a, a restart at a new place might be great for them as well, mm. um, as much as it's good for us. Sometimes just everybody needs to just start again for the good of these players and the, for the good of us watching them. It's reset. It's reset mm. time now, isn't it? It's that malaise, isn't it, we've referenced quite a lot that's kind of almost soaked into the walls at Portman Road, seems to be dripping down the stands. And uh, sadly, right across the club, there's this kind of culture of, of losing and, and acceptance of mediocrity. And I do wonder if part of, Cook's exasperation is being confronted with that and maybe it's not something he's, he's faced elsewhere. Interesting. Um, I don't even uh, know if they're accepting it. I, don't, I, I wonder if it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy after a little while that you, you hear it so much that you begin to just believe it and it just thoughts become things and it just goes round in, in an endless vicious cycle. And every mm. time it sort of goes round, it just, the more chance it is of happening again, it's, that's how it feels to me. Uh, they don't go out there wanting to lose football matches. And I don't think you can even pin it that they go out and don't don't try. Um, no, of course I think not. that makes it even more more worrying that, that mm. there is effort there. And I can see that in the performances. We keep using the terms huff and puff. Um, they're not giving up. They're just, I don't know if it's in, it's, it's just not there anymore. The belief mm. is not there. That deep-rooted confidence to, to mm. do it, just not there. No, no, no one's suggesting they don't. Obviously, they don't go out wanting to lose or not try. It's just, it's a mental thing, isn't it? You are what you continually do. That's a an accepted phrase in life. And unfortunately, town are continually not very good. They continually fail under pressure. So now that's what they are. They're just they're not a very good football team with underperforming players. Some would say not very good players. Um, by way of moving from the shit to the shine and the positivity that's coming, boys, I just wanted to revisit... Um, the summer and what's going to happen. We've done the the thumbs up, thumbs down contract thing. What, as you sit here now, and I'm not going to ask you to go back over each player, but have you have your thoughts changed in terms of level of option that needs to be in the summer? Are we now moving more towards a nuclear reset, Hutchie? I'll be honest. I think most of the ones that I had kind of on the bubble, the kind of the thumbs in the middle, of, of drift, are drifting to thumb thumbs down territory. Mm-hmm. So if we did do that again, there are there's and we're not going to go through all of them, are we? But they're the ones that were kind of borderline in my thinking, and now thumbs down mm. in my thinking. I, I do, I do think there are some players here to pick from the wreckage. There really are, um, and I think certain individuals could really benefit from being part of a new group. It could re like re-energize certain individuals as well, just to, to have big change real. It's going to be huge change. Of course it is. And mm. I think probably more players will go than, than between us. We kind of came to the opinion of on, on that podcast, but I, I think the ones that are left and there will be some left, I think they could really benefit from a new, from a new kind of group around them as well, re-energize different dynamics. And and I, I do think there are some players to pick from the wreckage of this. It's not, I, I don't think they're all just done. Pers- I, I think there, I think, I think it would be a bit foolish just to chuck everyone away. I, there, there are some that I think could, could be part of something new, but it's got, it's going to have to be big change, probably even bigger now because we were doing that prior to the takeover, weren't we? So hmm. I wonder if, wonder whether that changes much. You know, I'm going to ask you now, Hutchie, who then? You're saying there's a few that would benefit. Give us give us some names. Who are you thinking? 
Uh, who are the ones I gave thumbs up to? I, th- even, I still think someone like Toto could could benefit from having just a, just players that have, have shown that they're good enough in, in spells mm. could benefit from being in a better football team with better people. Um, I know he splits opinion. I still think I still think that Luke Chambers, although there's every chance that he could go, I still think that he's shown that he's got enough footballing ability left to be able to benefit from a new environment with new voices, new direction, new new energy, actually energy well, is, is the word. Mm. Uh, but then there are others that I that have, have kind of, in terms of their actual footballing ability over the last few weeks, uh, I feel less sure about like Caden Jackson. Now I, I'd be worried if I'd be worried about him. Um, mm. Who even Scoose you were on the on the fence with, weren't you? Yeah, that yeah. Scoose was basically a thumbs down, but he's got ten games. I think it was ten games at that point to show. Mm. He hasn't played a game since then, so um, for me that that has to be drifting towards the thumbs down territory because he just hasn't got on the pitch. He did play for the twenty threes on Monday, so I'd mm. imagine he'll be in and around it this weekend. But um, that's drifting towards the thumbs down for me but Alan Judge I think I was I think I was in the middle or not might have even been a thumbs up whether whether if it was a thumbs up it's now drifted to thumbs three quarters down if it was in the middle it might be drifting towards down um but there are there are some I think that could that could still people like James Wilson as well I still think there's a use for players like him um who who could just have shown they're decent enough footballers but could benefit from just being in a new environment with with new people new standards that kind of thing mm. the chambers thing is obviously what, what most people will talk about and i agree with you he definitely still has something to offer as a player but i just wonder is it going to be easier to replace him as a player and kind of lose the whatever you say about him as a captain he clearly has a big impact on the culture and i wonder how difficult that's going to be to change that culture with him i'm not sure I, i'm not sure i agree with that if i'm completely honest i, I think I think over the last couple of seasons, I think he's kind of maybe mellowed a little bit in terms of his influence around people. The last year of Lambert, early days of Cook, I, I think he's maybe, I think he's maybe drifted back a little bit from the role that we've talked about him being in before. He's still the captain. He's still him and Alan Judge are still the only two that I can hear shouting on the pitch about mm. anything at any point during the game. But, but I, I, hon- I honestly think that he. Without going overboard, I'm not suggesting he's suddenly going to be the league, league one's leading centre back next season. I, I, I still think that he's got enough ability in there that he could that he could offer something in a new environment. I think he needs a, a new energy, but and that and that could really help him. Mm. I'm, I'm going around in circles here, but because I also think there's every chance that he'll go. But there was, um, there was a quote from him, Hutchie. Um, before the takeover, which which worried me a bit about basically Cook letting Chambers manage the squad, which again I thought was worrying in terms of his influence and power, um, which we've talked about a lot. And I, for me personally, I don't think you can change the problem at Town without getting rid of Luke Chambers. Um, Stewie, you're very much in the in the pro Chambers camp. I know we've had this debate. What where do you stand on the blowing up of the squad in the summer? Are we talking nuclear? You reckon? I would say I'm very much in the pro-Chambers camp. I think when we had this conversation before, it was pre-takeover. I think takeover changes the conversation completely because it opens up different, completely different doors in terms of 
recruitment. I was talking before about I'd maybe keep player X or player Y because mm. you can't chuck them all in the bin and there's got to be an element of pragmatism. Now there's a little bit more, more money and clout to play with. Maybe Paul Cook's finger is poised above that big red button to go for that nuclear nuclear option. He's gonna he's gonna press the button. That's that's how it feels to me. And maybe Chambers could could be part of that. I mean, you talked about bringing people in that could energize him. Stephen Ward, James Norwood, they were kind of meant to come in and help share the leadership load and and help things on that that side of things. That's that's not helped. I think Stephen Ward is a consummate pro but legs have gone for me um slightly confused why he's kind of played as ahead of miles kenlock who was probably one of them more form players at the time mm. when, when cook arrived um and norwood has been semi-fit and not been the greatest of characters off the pitch i think the, the social media antics have come a little bit tiresome for everyone inside and outside the club so I don't know. You can make an argument. You can go through this whole squad and say, if they had a different dynamic around them, it might bring, you know, Andre Dezel, if he had the right blend of players around him, it might lift him up. If Luke Chambers had some more characters around him, that might lift him up. And we're talking about bringing in players to raise everybody else. And at some point, it's incumbent upon them to raise mm. themselves. And they've yeah. had more than enough time to, to do that. We're not, these are not snap judgments on people now, are they? Let's be honest, this is this is over a concerted period of time. So if you want an honest opinion, it's hard for me to say this because we go and speak to these players face to face and they read our words sometimes, I'm sure, or they get it gets back to them in some way, shape or form. And I think very carefully about the responsibility that we have and the impact it, it may have in in some small way. But I honestly think we're being we've been fair over a period of time, and for me, it's got to be a hard reset now. The soft reset option has been tried too many times. Like, oh, we'll just try and change a little bit here, and we'll keep a bit of the previous mm-hmm. era and add to it. And that's why we're in a position where you've got what is it? Best part of fifty pros that have kind of just added to here, added to there. It's become this kind of Frankenstein squad that got bits and pieces bolted onto it, and. The clear outs never happened and it's just time to start again. It's time to start again from scratch for me. Excellent segue. Shall we turn our frowns upside down now, boys, and start to smile as we think about the future? Since we last spoke, the Takeover podcast last week, the first kind of building block is in place. Mark Ashton is going to be the new CEO, as we thought, coming over from Bristol City. We'll start in June. Um, What do we make of him as an appointment? He out of everything, is arguably the most important piece because he's going to be the guy running the club on a day-to-day basis. Obviously, Paul Cook will be managing the side, but he'll be running the club. Um, interesting background. What do you make of him, Hutchie, Mark Ashton? Good, good choice? I think that, I think to, to get a, a CEO from a championship, kind of, in theory, an upwardly mobile championship club to drop from that position to League One, is it is it a bit of a statement of intent from the new owners? You're right. It, it's more than arguable. He will be the most the most important player in this in the um, in this takeover. Really, the Amer- the Americans maybe set the set the tone, but he's the man to implement it day to day, both on the pitch and off it. Uh, his relationships with people, his relationship with the manager is going to be vital. We know that he that he certainly has an involvement in recruitment. Um, 
So that's going to be vital and his relationships off the pitch are going to be vital as well because it's not just on the pitch that the club's going to almost certainly get a shake-up. It's, it's off it as well. He's uh, mm. He's got a reputation for doing both. Um, and for me, for me, bringing in someone from the championship, from above, is a statement of intent. And um, it's an exciting one. Whatever, whatever you think of of the man himself, which I'm sure we're gonna we're gonna delve into in a moment. None of us know him, but we've there's plenty to read about him if you want to find it. Um, but the appointment in itself is a real statement of intent, and that's a statement of intent that Ives just haven't made for for years now. It's got to be an upgrade, hasn't it? For a start, he's a football man. Um, he's not a Simon Cleggie in Mill and someone who doesn't have the background in the game. He's very much a football man uh, and has won awards, I believe, as well for CEO of the year, was it, at Bristol City? Um, so good stuff. Stuart, you're putting together a, a profile of, of Ashton today. What, what are your thoughts on Town bringing him to the club? I think Andy summed it up in our, in our last chat. We, you know, It was pretty clear that that Mark Ashton was going to be the new CEO with his long-term links with Mike O'Leary going back to West Brom and, and Oxford days and other business interests outside of football as well. Hmm. Um, and he said that he's he's an upgrade on anything they've had before in that position. And I say that with the greatest respect to the people who predecessors. Simon Clegg did amazing things with, with the Olympics, but no football background. Ian Milne um, came from a legal background, again, not not football. And then Leo Neal, a football man, but chucked right in at the deep end, having never done a role of that that nature before and was given far too many plates to spin as well. So it's, you know, Ipswich, mid-table in League One, have gone out and recruited a experienced championship CEO. That's that's a that's a big signing. That's a statement of intent for me. And mm. People will now say, well, Bristol City fans don't seem to be shedding too many tears about him leaving. Um, doesn't mean he's not going to come here and be a success. I mean, it, it sounds like he's a divisive character. He can be combustible at times. Um, will come in and ruffle a few feathers. But maybe that's what's needed. In fact, it is what's needed. We, we've all kind of tiptoed and danced around some of this, ourselves included, over a period of time. At some point, Maybe it takes an outsider to come into a football club, which is quite insular in a way that it's Suffolk, it's away from everywhere. It's a lot of people are kind of come through Ipswich and stay at Ipswich for a period of time, live in the area. And somebody who's come in from the outside that maybe can see things with a fresh pair of eyes and and say some home truths. And we've got that in a manager now. And mm. Maybe we'll have that off the pitch as well with... with um, with Mark Ashton. Um, I'm very intrigued to see what he's like to deal with. Um, but it's, it's a, yeah, it's, it's an upgrade. They've gone and got a, a, a championship chief exec who has had plenty of success at Bristol City. You know, he's, they've become a club that are highly competitive in the championship. Okay, a bit of disappointment that they haven't perhaps kicked on in the way that they hoped, but their, their record with recruitment has been pretty decent. Adam Webster's been used as a prime example, signed from Ipswich, sold for a huge profit later on. There are others as well. Mm. Um, the stadium, every time we go back to Ashton Gate, the, the, the change there has been remarkable. People talking about sort of freshening up the ground. Between him and the uh, the Americans that have got background in real estate and building stadiums and stuff, that's something to be excited about as well. So 
Just um, uh, for people who aren't aware of the stadium, though, just explain that a bit more. So when you say it's something to be excited about, they've got what kind of restaurants around it and that kind of thing you're talking? Or... Well, when we used to go there, a few going back, I don't know how long it was, a few years ago, not that long ago, we used to go into a little tiny porter cabin that was like the press room that was at the back of the car park. And um, they then did they rebuild the entire stand behind the goal, Andy? I'm trying to pick yeah. it now. I think they've rebuilt... Yeah, it's one of the side stands and then the one opposite as well, I think, is is huge now. It added extra mm. tiers to it. There's a restaurant built into it, um, a rugby team. There's a slightly different setup in Bristol. They've got the kind of Bristol Sport, which which also the Lansdowns have got the rugby club and I believe in other, other sports that play there as well. So it's a multi-use place, but they've got a restaurant built in. There's a um, sort of a retail park that's kind of popped up around it in that time. Um, the concourses look great. Um, concourses are great. They've got these giant pictures of of club legends that sort of are meters high that sort of tower over the concourses. Um, they've got a bar. If you if you remember the World Cup where they used to keep showing scenes of people chucking their beers in the air watching a big screen, one of those was from the the bar at Bristol with a huge giant screen behind the bar, so it mm. keeps people well gets people at the ground earlier and gets them to stay later and and stuff like that. So. Mm. That sounds good. I mean, Portman Road, I wrote something this week about first jobs for the owners. Portman Road definitely needs tidying up, doesn't it? It needs to be uh, the sort of place that looks like it breeds champions and shit's excellence, as they say. Uh, and at the moment, it's a little bit tired. So hopefully part of their, their first jobs will be to to make Portman Road look like the fortress it once was. I, I um, do agree on that, but I don't think it's top priority. Sort the team out first. I don't oh, think yeah, I'm absolutely. Not, not I, that, I, that can happen. And I know, uh, like, I know what you're saying, that kind of sets the culture. Mm. Uh, that was Paul Lambert's big bugbear, but I think they got a bit sidetracked by that, Paul worrying about mm. what the training ground looked like and what the stadium looked like. Sort your team out first, get back in the only, championship. It's only, it's only, it was, I did five things, Stewie. That, you know, that was I just know. one of five. That's all I'm there's, saying. Some, there's some quite non, non-radical non <laughs> things they could do at Portman Road, isn't there? Like yeah. we, we spoke in the car yesterday, Stuart, about the, that awful, awful kind of brown tape that's peeling off the windows of the cobbled stand and some chipped wood and stuff. Maybe let's not rebuild Portman Road and install a massive sports bar on day one, but you can, <laughs> you can, you can get someone to, to kind of take the tape down. Let, let, oh, let's, yeah. um, let's, let's just tidy up the tatty bits. And um, let's think, be honest, that should have been done anyway. It's ridiculous yeah, that that has been done. It's not hard. I could do that. I think the environment in which you work has a big impact on, how you approach things and how almost to the extent of how you do your job. So I do, I, whilst I appreciate you that sorting out the team is the most important thing, and I'm not suggesting a Simon Clegg-esque painting of the turnstiles where everything else burns around him. Um, I do think it's something they should look at. Yeah. Um, let's talk. The other thing I want to finish with, with you talking about um, talking to Frank Gallup, actually, because that's a really positive thing to end on uh, in this section anyway. But I also, uh, thinking about what we haven't spoken about since um, we last spoke, of course, Paul Cook um, speaking for the first time about the takeover, Stewie. Um, we, we explained last week that the presser on Friday was cancelled and then he was he was saying he was going to talk after the game on, on Saturday, which the game we won't talk about, um, unfortunately. I know that, that winds you up sometimes, but it was it was nil-nil at MK Dons. I've got not loads much. to say about nil-nil at <laughs> MK Dons. Not much to say about that. So he didn't talk after that. And then there were all sorts of conspiracy theories out there on social media. Oh, that's because he's leaving. He's, he wants out. He's not happy. Um, and then you finally spoke to him on, on Monday at length. So just bring people up to speed with 
your impressions of of what he said on on Monday and his thoughts on the takeover. Yeah, we had a little twenty four hours of conspiracy theories, didn't we on <clears throat> on Sunday? Um, mm. Took us by surprise when when Matt Gill came out of the tunnel to speak to press after the MK Don games. We got the call late on Thursday night to say, "We're real apologies, lads." Paul Paul sends his apologies, but he's not going to do press in the morning. It's been a big week with the takeover news, trying to get everyone's heads on the game. Fair enough, no problem. Uh, he said, "Well, he'll, he'll talk to you about it in length after the game tomorrow, though." And then Matt Gill walks out of the tunnel post game, and Matt sort of. Matt's a great guy. He's a, he's a really nice guy. And I think he was a little bit awkward by it. He just said the gaffer sent me out to, to do it today. Um, and it was literally just that. And from, from discussions I've had with people afterwards, Paul didn't really think it through. There was a lot going on after the game. He was trying to speak to the players after another disappointing performance. He's trying to then go off and speak to Mike O'Leary quite soon after the game. And I think at previous clubs, I certainly know from his time with Wigan at Portman Road that we'd often get his assistant sent up to do post-match press with Liam Richardson. So I think he just did it and didn't really think about the the, uh, the consequences of it. So um, we had all the conspiracy theories over Sunday that, you know, he's not happy with the new owners and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but he dealt with it all on, the, on Monday morning and um, admitted that it came as a total surprise to him, the takeover, which people are saying, how on earth can that be the case when there'd been so many reports and rumours circulating from before he'd taken the job. But I I genuinely do believe that it was sold to him as Marcus looking to bring in extra investment. And that's where those comments about, you know, an exciting summer ahead that people probably overread into was Paul thinking that there was going to be some extra investment coming and that he had the chance to really make his own stamp on, on this squad. And I don't think it was anything more than that. So from, from many people that I've spoken to in the club, came as a complete surprise to them, the news on, on Wednesday. And it was a lot for them to get their head around. But as they've got their head around it and heard these new owners speak and met Mike O'Leary, they've been very quickly assured that these people from a, from a football background... Um, there's money behind this project and uh, like everyone else, they're excited about about what it might bring. Mm. And talking of excitement, Hutchie, you track down a man who knows better than most what it's like to work with uh, with Brett Johnson and, and Berke Bakai and the rest of the Game Changer posse. Um, Frank Yallop, formerly of this parish, formerly of Phoenix Rising as well. Really, really in- interesting and uplifting interview. Um, that is available as the audio version on the podcast uh, in your feed if you subscribe. So if you haven't listened to that, go back and, and listen to it because it is really good. I listened to it driving t- for my haircut on Monday, boys, and I was driving along with a smile on my face. It was lovely because um, it, it's properly uplifting. So actually, just talk a little bit about, about Frank and what he said and, and, and tease the interview for people who might want to go in there, go and listen to it. Yeah, he he couldn't he couldn't be more more happy, more excited that that his old bosses are, are now in charge of of what he'd call his football club. He was manager at Arizona United as it was first, and very quickly it became Phoenix Rising. He was the manager there for just over a season, I think, under Brett Johnson. Brett Johnson appointed him. He worked under the three the three investment investors there: Johnson, Beck Ebukai, and Mark Detmer, as you said, and. I think it's one of the happiest times of his coaching career by the sounds of things. He enjoyed working with them. They were they were really good to him. They gave him everything everything he needed and everything that the club needed to kind of start start building. Frank Frank went there sort of with a brief of I'm I'm coming here to kind of 
get you going as a club on the pitch while you get it while you guys get it going off the pitch because because Frank's got a real good background of um in the MLS over in the states and dropping into the second tier with with Phoenix Phoenix Rising was was something that they had to convince him to do but they convinced him quite quickly um and he couldn't be more enthusiastic about the club that he ultimately left behind so um he he certainly he certainly had his brain picked i think he's probably the man that many would say planted the seed with them about Ipswich being a potential club that that they could buy although i'm sure that i'm sure if they wanted to buy into english football they would have come across Ipswich anyway but um mm. it certainly didn't harm having frank available to them to talk about the club and people involved at the club and what the club what the club needs so yeah if you want if you want to hear a man very excited about people that he knows buying a football club that he's played 400 odd games for then um they give that a listen because he's a he's a nice bloke he lives in a nice part of the world but he'd still always call Ipswich kind of his home so he uh he could not be more excited i don't think i loved how many times he he said the word or the term forward thinking in reference to the owners that was really really encouraging it was said a lot and i also love the fact that he was already talking about the uh, the inevitable town pre-season tour sounds lovely over there over over monterey way Maybe Hutchie, very much. Well, that, uh... well, that's it. Yeah, it's not just Phoenix. We're Frank's in the process of kind of launching another. It seems like these clubs in this second division in in the United States just seem to be launching all the time. Yeah. He's Brett Johnson's launching one, and and Frank Yallop's launching one, another one in in, in Monterey in in northern in California where he kind of near where he lives. And so uh, his dream is the preseason trip to Phoenix, followed by a, a game at his club by the coast in California in the in the sun so i said that sounded good so uh hopefully hopefully that can happen lads on tour koa road trip 2022 coming soon hopefully um stewie the yallop stuff was uplifting wasn't it and i also i want to know when we're going to start the didier drogba to town rumors uh seriously because clearly that's what we need didier up top yeah the yallop thing joking aside was great wasn't it yeah andy's just said there about they had to really persuade Frank to drop down a level, to add to persuade Didier Drogba to go and finish his career at a second division. Well, were they second then, or they, yeah. were they even yeah, yeah second division then? Uh, I think Sean Wright Phillips they they mm-hmm. got over there as well, who'd scored tons of goals in the MLS and had Premier League pedigree. So these are people that have got some persuasive powers. I'm sure the the dollar helps with that persuasion, but I also think that they're they're Telling they're managing to sell a project to people, and Brett Johnson said in his first press conference that we will make this a place that people want to come and a culture that people want to be part of. Whether that is a a young kid joining the academy or bringing in a new star striker, I think these are going to be guys that you know we've seen it with Mark Ashton. We've just talked about him being persuaded to come down from a from the Championship to League One. Paul Cook didn't want to be a, a League One manager, so. That is what Ipswich have got to do consistently to get to that higher level is to set their sights high with every appointment, with everything that they do. Michael O'Leary said, we've got to aim to be better than the other 23 clubs in our division across everything, every department on and off the pitch. And Mm. um, that's exciting. Absolutely. And also, I I know that Phoenix Rising are being talked about as potentially one of the sides that will step up the MLS, which has to be a good sign in terms of what they've built from 800 people at games, as, as Frank was telling you, Hutchie, to now being talked about as potentially a, one of the sides to 
to take on the expansion role in, in the MLS. Fantastic stuff. I also loved the sign-off, Hutchie, between you and Frank. Thank you, Frank. No, thank you, Andy. No, no, thank you, Frank. No, no, Andy, thank you. It Bye. Was, you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was lovely. Go Do go back and listen to that, though. I mean, obviously, I would sell all of our content as being good, but that was particularly enjoyable and particularly uplifting if you're kind of down about the actual shit show on the pitch at the moment boys i want to talk end by talking a little bit i suppose about charlton this weekend we have to reference it. it is the next game the team play this is the weekend isn't it where town's playoff hopes are finally killed a stake through the heart anchorman style trident what are you saying stewie uh yes good <laughs> <laughs> so what what should what should what should what should paul cook do now i mean i i, I talked a couple of podcasts ago about ditching the, the lone players, not playing them. What's the point? Um, so should we start to see that kind of thing happen now? Do you reckon Hutchie for the final few games? They're all lone players. I don't think, I don't think there's any discernible difference between any of the players in Paul Cook's mind at the moment. I think mm. he, he couldn't, I don't think he cares if you're under contract on loan playing on a week to week contract. If he thinks you can possibly add something to his football team, he'll, he'll play them. I think, Toto and Siala is the same in his mind as as Mark McGuinness in terms of in terms of their status at the football club. I'm not I'm not sure the loan the loan things that that big a deal in his um in his mind because so many of them are playing for their futures here. And that's whether they're under contract or not. I don't there are I think there's ten of them that are under contract for next season, something like that, senior players, and I'd say I'd say they're as at risk of of kind of not being involved in his future plans as anyone whose contract expires in a in a few weeks. I don't know what he does at the weekend because he's tried everything. He's tried every combination, every formation, every system going, um, and they're going to be absolutely on the floor. So uh, I wonder whether I think I think we'll probably see Kane Vincent Young um, as well. He played in the under twenty threes on. Tuesday afternoon and as long as he came it's a bit a bit of shrouded in mystery that game of how many minutes anybody played or anything like that but as long as he came through that okay I think we'll probably see another another bash another bash mm. at him again um beyond that I don't know I don't know what he does to get them going for this game because he's he's tried everything it's not happened and his players are going to be on the floor so not, but Nigel Adkins was there last night, the the, uh, the charter manager, and I, I'm not sure he's going to be quaking in his boots about the task that he and his team have got on Saturday. A nice little exchange between him and Paul Cook pre-match. Paul kind of walked past him in the stands, not far from where we were sitting, and he jokingly said to Nigel, "You're not going to learn much about us tonight, Nigel." Um, that's what he just keeps saying. What what can we learn about these players that we don't already know? That's all what Paul Cook keeps saying. And the answer is not a lot. We've we've reached our conclusion now, and I think Paul's reached his conclusion on on many. Are there any players you'd like to see be given a bit more time, though, Stewie, in terms of opportunity on the pitch? Yeah, I think there are players that are under contract for, for next season and that realistically will be part of it, be that as starters or on the fringes. So you may as well give more minutes to them. As I said before, Miles Kenlock, I can't see him being your starting left-back next season, but he'll probably be your backup left-back because he's under contract. So, mm. you know, he'd proven over a period of games that he, he'd had a bit of a renaissance. So, for me, I'd be starting him ahead of Stephen Ward a bit more. I'd like to see Dobra 
given some more minutes because he's another one for the future. I'm not quite sure where Jack Lancaster is. He's um, he, he wasn't even featuring for the 23s yesterday, so one can only assume that might be an injury there. But he, he'd be one that I'd rather see him getting minutes than someone like Keenan Bennett, for for example. Um, Nidam, let's let's hopefully sort of build him up a, a little bit because I really like him and I think he's got a role to play. Um, those are the sort of things that um, I would like to, to see happen over these last few games. Okay. Any other notes, Hutchie, before we uh, think about taking our leave to mention? Uh, I just, I, I uh, something new happened last night. I had my name sh- name chanted. Oh, of in course. Yeah, stadium. good shout. Just um, tell the story. By the, the lads, lads and lass on the roof, uh, which, which made me smile. There's only one Andy Warren, they shouted. Why were they not chatting? Why, why are they leaving? I don't know, mate. It's a, it's a bit awkward, isn't it? I don't yeah. want to... Uh, <laughs> oh, awkward, but it's just the way it is, isn't it? Thanks, thanks, guys. That was yeah. new. They know he's done. The best thing about last night was uh, being at a new football stadium with no fans in there. And uh, just before, just as the players start, just before the kickoff, we suddenly heard this chant of Blue Army took us a while to work out where it was originating from and it was up from a pretty high vantage point on the top of the flats behind one of the goals. And uh, I think it started as five of them. The numbers seemed to grow as the game went on. Um, who It turns out that the, one of them lives in those those flats right next to the, the stadium. So um, Ross Ross Halls, who's not with us today, Ross uh, Rossi managed to get hold of... Uh, one of the guys and speak to him on the video last night. So give that give that a watch as well. The story behind how how a handful of Ipswich fans managed to infiltrate the game last night that was good fun. And hearing Andy's name chanted was uh, my highlight of the season. Highlight of the season? Wow, okay. I think so. Well, yeah. What what suppose, else is in the frame? Well, I suppose around you know on the pitch, around the pitch, it's got it's got to be up there, isn't it? Um, yeah, do go back and watch Rossi's chat with Rory Horner, formerly of Leicester, now in London. Um, yeah, interesting video, and I've just put a bit online about it as well. So go go back and watch that, boys. I also want to know um, we've got Mark Ashton coming in as CEO. How many times? What's the under over on how many times we're gonna one of us at least is gonna write Mike Ashton repetitively for for Mark Ashton? Um, you had a blind spot with uh, with Warburton, didn't you, um, Stewie? <laughs> <laughs> Kept writing Sam Warburton as opposed to Mark Warburton. Um, I'm definitely, I've already put Mike Ashton a couple of times and deleted it. So I think that's going to be a problem. And the other the other question, obviously, boys, I want to ask away from football, where I know football is your entire life and that's all you think about. But um, easing lockdown, we can now go and get haircuts. We can now go to the pub. We can now go to the gym. Have you been able to avail yourself of any of those three joys? I know you've got, a, yeah, you don't need to worry about the haircuts, Stewie, but the, how about the gym or or going for a nice pint. I know, Hutchie, you're not much of a drinker, but but even so, the question is valid. What are you saying? We went out for lunch on Monday. It was our wedding anniversary. So the three, oh, of, us, uh, the three of us went out for lunch at Newborn. Very nice. Very nice. civilised. It is It is uh, great just to be out again, isn't it? Yeah, it was, it was really nice. Um, just It felt quite normal. So, all good. I went, I had Monday off. I went for a haircut and then I went straight to the gym. And I'm still paying for it now, boys. I'm in bits. Um, advancing years, but good Lord. Good Lord, pain. Anyway, um, I guess that, that brings us to the end of this chat. It's been a good one, up and down. Can I just throw in one, one other piece for any other business? Go for it. Can I take you back to Rochdale? No. Do we, we, do we have to? Uh, yeah. 
I just, well, I just want to share who we who we saw as we left the ground at Rochdale. We haven't raised this so far. We've done this. Haven't we? a Ferrari, a Ferrari. Yeah. Oh, we've done that. Move on. Yeah, you don't listen to the podcast, so you wouldn't know. But um, yeah, it was the Speakmans, wasn't it? I, I still, I still have no idea who they are, even though I've looked at pictures of them. You were quite impressed, though, Stewie. Uh, more impressed by the car that they was driving. Yeah, that was all. <laughs> they're, they're therapists, aren't they? Who charge looking at their website afterwards? Who charge thousands of pounds for sessions about? fear and phobias and things maybe maybe Ipswich should uh, get them there in. we go get them in we've got we've got some dollar behind us now so get them in bring their ferrari with them um yeah so that that brings us to the end of this chat from from shit to shine the tale of two towns i hope you've enjoyed it and enjoyed it at the same time um leave us a five star review on itunes if you can if you'd be so kind because it helps us greatly with the visibility in the charts uh, and also leave us uh, sorry, follow us across all our social medias, Kings of Anger on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Go back and listen to the Frank Yallop interview. Rossi, who's not with us today, she says, we'll be back um, later this week with a game day posse podcast. And also we'll have stuff coming to you from Charlton, if you care, as Stewie said at the end of the video last night. Um, Stewie, unfortunately, contractually, you have to be there. Um, you'll be joined by a guest in the in the town reporting team this weekend. The big porker will be joining you because Hutchie, you're off getting married aren't you mate or something uh yeah me i'm getting a sec i'm getting married again um no one of my one of my best friends is getting married so uh i've, I've made the cut for a 15 person covid wedding so should be fun excellent M- much right, better then. than going to charlton i'll be honest yeah i'd imagine so uh that's it then guys thanks very much for listening today um we'll talk to you again next time Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.